three, two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host, and I have a problem. The problem is called inflation, and you have the problem also. But we got good news. You can turn a problem into something that works for you. And today's guest will help us find out how we can get inflation to work for us, not against us. Welcome, everybody. Bronson Hill. Hey, what's up, Simon? Really excited to be here today. Love talking about inflation, finance, and uh, strategies. So excited to do this, man. Absolutely. How did you come to the to inflation as a topic? What made you fall in love with this topic? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, the the word for the Chinese character that it, uh, presents the word crisis also has in it um, the word opportunity. And so, a lot of people don't realize that in the middle of a crisis or a challenge there's always an opportunity. And so to me, I, I just, you know, looking at a lot of people, um, you know, are, are seeing inflation as being an incredible problem, uh, you know, when, whether it's, you know, gas at the pump or, you know, filling up their car or just even food or anything they need, things are getting more expensive. And a lot of people are feeling like a very powerless feeling of, you know, what do I do? I just, there's really nothing I can do. But there is a way, like you said, that you can actually use inflation to your advantage and make it your friend rather than your enemy and kind of get on the other side of the equation, which I think makes it really uh, an amazing opportunity. I'm checking inflation every day. In my country right now, it's at 11%. In some countries, much higher. People can check, you know, their their CPI, their consumer price index. People can check the website called Trueflation, which also calculates how inflation might look like right now. What's what's your current take? What's what's the inflation right now in the in the countries listening, which is US, Europe, Asia? Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't heard of true, Trueflation. There's a site called Shadow Stats, and in the U.S., we basically took the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and they changed it in 1980 to make it uh, not include food or energy or just very minimal amounts of it. And they changed it again in 1990. And so, if you used, you know, currently, I think it's around 8.3 percent or 8.5 percent in the U.S. officially, but unofficially, I think it's actually around 15 to 18 percent when you include food and energy. So, if that's the case. Um, you know, the challenge of, of the confused mind says, says I'm going to wait. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to wait. But the challenge is if we wait for two years at those annualized rates of inflation is 15 to 18%, you're losing about 40% of your purchasing power over a two-year period. And so, ouch, right? Like, that's, that's huge. So it is important to keep an eye on, but it's important to figure out what you're going to do and how you can deploy your resources and not just continually just see your, your wealth evaporate. I am fully invested. I'm 95% invested, just 5% cash. And all my friends go, but Simon, how can you be so much in the market right now, right? When you need cash. Yeah. And I say, yeah, cash is great, except it, when it's deflating at 11%. So I don't, it's an ice cube, it's melting. And so I have one third in real estate, one third in stocks and one third in digital assets. Uh, nice. What can people do right now? if inflation is at their doorstep. Right. So I have this uh, ebook I'll, I'll talk about. It. It's called How to Use Inflation to Your Advantages at my, at my website, bronsonequity.com, a free download. But it basically talks about a couple strategies. You know, you mentioned real estate is one. Real estate is amazing. I'm not sure how it works in Europe, but in the US, 
you can basically buy real estate assets at uh, sometimes no money down or very little money down or even 20 to 30% down. We do apartment building investing. So we're buying large apartment buildings. We've got about 2,000 apartment units. We help passive investors to achieve passive income where they don't have to deal with tenants or toilets or leasing and they get great returns. But the amazing thing is if I'm buying real estate and I put 20% down on a property, um, you know, if the property increases in value by 20%, I haven't... Um, I haven't, you know, just had a 20% increase in my value. I've actually doubled my equity. So there's a, a, a way to use debt. But the amazing thing too is that debt now, even as debt has risen here in the U.S., where you know it was, you know, below 3%, just amazingly low interest rates, or, or excuse me, um, you know, rates on the, on the loans. Um, now it might be five to seven percent, but even still, inflation is eight to eighteen percent, right? So inflation is way higher. So if you're borrowing at a lower rate that that inf than inflation is, you're borrowing at a fixed amount for a longer term. It allows you to take advantage of inflation because what you're doing is you're getting a lower rate than inflation, and you're paying off. Uh, these debts in future dollars or future currency that will be worth less in the future. So you get an advantage there. And we know because they're creating all this more currency, you can't just go and print all these new houses or apartments that, you know, there's going to be, uh, the, the, these are going to be valued at a much higher valuation in the future. So it allows you to basically use cheap debt, take advantage of it, pay it off in the future with dollars that are worth less. And we know the assets are going to be worth substantially more. And I'm not talking in the short term in a year or two, it could be, you know, five, 10 years or more, you know, these assets are going to be worth a lot more money. So uh, that's a way, I think, to really take advantage of inflation. I love this model. 12 years ago, I did one of those passive models where I just own a percentage of a big complex and they do everything right for us. And we just pay the first 15 years and then we earn after the 16th year, which is a way for tax optimization and long-term wealth building. And at that time, I, I just did it because my bookkeeper told me to do it and she was right. But now, 12 years later, that's solid gold compared to stocks, which are so volatile, compared to my digital assets, which are so volatile. That's the only thing that has never, that has never caused problems, even now when real estate is a little bit more dynamic in, in value. I can sleep very well with it. So how can people start? When should they start with this? Well, there's a saying that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time is today, right? So you can start when you start. I just actually did a uh, event last night with about 50 people in Los Angeles. And the guy was speaking was a, uh, was a lender in the multifamily space. And he really feels like right now is an incredibly... Uh, great time to invest. And so a lot of people concerned, oh, I'll wait until things calm down, whatever. Well, what happens is when interest rates are higher, um, you can get in at whatever you know the cost is right now for buildings. But in the future, you can always refinance and bring your rate to a lower amount. So I think you know how people really can get started is educate themselves. Um, I do have in that book I mentioned, How to Use Inflation Your Advantage, I talk a little bit about uh, multifamily, some of the benefits. There's tax benefits. There's, uh, you know, it doesn't have the volatility. You know, it's been said that uh, great investing should be like watching paint dry 
or grass grow. It should, you know, if you want excitement, take $800 and go to Las Vegas. And that's a quote from a famous investor, but it, it should be just like the way you described kind of a, a boring investment that returns, you know, 14 to 16% per year. Um, and you say, well, that's better than the stock market. It's like, well, exactly. It's, but you know, the challenge of these investments is that um, they're not advertised the same way that stocks and bonds are because Wall Street and these financial, you know, the financial markets in Europe and everything, they're really driven by large institutional firms. And so to get information about this, it means you, you get on people's investor call list, you know, when, when they have a deal. So we are currently doing deals. There's other groups. There's a lot of groups out there like us that are doing this. So you can listen to podcasts like this one. You can listen to shows. You can just try to find great operators that go to live events. And so I think the biggest thing is starts with a relationship, feeling like you have some connection. And I'd say if you, if you get on four or five people's deals list and you just actually say, hey, I'm just going to do it, just like your CPA said, you, you just did it 12 years ago. And it sounds like it was awesome for you. And it really led to some amazing returns and also the confidence that you could actually do this. And I think that's the biggest thing a lot of people think is that I don't, I've never done this and I don't know anybody else that's done it. So it sounds like this thing that's just out there that's this academic idea. But when you meet people that they've been doing it for years or they're full-time passive investors, um, it, it really changes things. That's the power of live events and going to conferences. But I think educating yourself, you know, podcasts, listening to things, books and conferences are a great way to get started. And, you know, there is one thing that I think is a misconception and our parents, uh, I don't know how old you are. I'm 42. So yeah, I'm 42 as well. <laughs> yeah, my parents generation for them, it was like you build your house, right? You, or you buy a house. That's what you do, right? Right. It's part of building wealth is you build a house or, or you buy a house. And so many in our generation still think, oh, yeah, I have to do that. Problem is, if you do that, it will be probably 100% of your of your wealth, if you do that in your 40s, 50s, that's probably 100% because that's what the price is right now. Or if you leverage, that's even more than 100%. So I gave myself two rules. First, no leverage. And second, 30%, 30%, 30%. So I couldn't buy a house. And that has actually freed up for much better portfolio. Because just by giving up the idea, I can live on rent forever and build wealth in in a more differentiated way. What's what's your take? Is it still like I have to build my house? That's my castle. That's the number one. The rest will be investments. Or or are there different strategies that you see? Working? Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. A lot of people say uh, your house is your greatest investment, right? Uh, there's a wonderful book. If people have not read this book, this is like book number one to read. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I don't know if you've read that book, Simon, but it's for a lot of people. They start, they read that book. And basically he just, he talks about these common misconceptions that wealthy people, you know, they believe, but then like the most middle-class people don't. So he says a asset is something that puts money in your pocket every month. And a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket every month. So if you have a house you live in, is that an asset or is that a liability? Well, according to that definition, that it is a liability because it costs money for taxes. It costs money to take care of the yard. It costs money to keep the lights on and the electricity and all the different expenses that go into it, repairs. Um, so I'm actually with you, um, you know, in Los Angeles where I live right now, uh, actually, if you go back six months when interest rates were low, so pricing is still about the same. But I rent a place for about, it's a three-bedroom house in Pasadena, California, $3,450 a month. So about $3,500 a month. And basically, if I were to buy that, it's a $1.2 million house. 
I would have to put down 10, maybe 10%, so 120,000 or maybe more or less. And then also my payment would be around 6,500 or $7,000 a month. Now that has come up now because rates have come up. It might be 10 grand a month. So I'm paying literally two to three times as much plus the down payment that I could have invested elsewhere, right? So there's the opportunity cost of that where I could be getting 15% or more on my money and I'm paying way more money to live here. So why would I do that? And if I ever wanted to move, I'd have to subsidize the cost of, of this place. Uh, and so anyway, I, I see right now, at least depending on where you live, with single family or housing in general, like single family housing, there's some risk to it because if prices go down, especially in a market like Los Angeles, or if you're in a larger, I know you're in Vienna, I'm not sure what you know real estate is there, but I, I do think finding a way to get great returns on your money. I mean, there's a saying that you invest your money first and you live on what's left and the wealthy people do that. They invest first and they find out how to live on what's left. People that are poor and middle-class, they, they live on what's first and they invest what's left or, or nothing at all. So if you can get the, that, that, those things straight away. So I don't own anything in California. I don't own the house I live in. All our stuff are 2000 units are in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. And I'm, I'm really happy to have it that way. I love this. You invest first and then you leave off the rest. That is something yeah. that took me decades to learn. And I'm happy that we can share this. And also the second one, you don't have to buy the apartment or the house that you want to have because it's probably not going to be an asset. It's probably a liability. And it's, it's a model from the past. You can find your model. And if you don't know how to find your model, talk to experts like Bronson. Where can people find you, Bronson? Yeah, so my website, uh, bronstonequity.com, I mentioned that free report. It'll just pop up. You can download it. We also have our investment club where uh, you talk about first steps. You know, we, we do have a relationship. We have to have a relationship with individuals before they invest with us on most of our deals. And so we like to just do a short call and get to know each other and see if it makes sense to work together or find out what your goals, your goals are. So maybe you have different goals. I'd love to be a help in any part of that process. What are some examples of projects that you have running that you want to share? Yeah, so we're right now we're doing a lot of work in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, it's my favorite market in the U.S. Um, the reason I like it so much is uh, really it can be summed in the word growth, right? So there's we look for areas where we see population growth, job growth, and income growth. So we know if there are more people moving to an area, there are more jobs in an area, and income is growing, rents are going to they can't do anything but grow. And so we're seeing, you know, 20,000 new people move every single month to Jacksonville, which is really a secondary market. There's about a million and a half people in the greater area, but there's between 95 and 97% occupancy, just as far as all housing units, whether it's houses or apartments. And so there's nowhere for people to go. So we've seen rents rise just in the last 10 months, 19% in the market. So rents have gone from 1320 on average to $1,560. And so as we've owned all these apartments, we're just seeing even without us renovating anything, things are increasing. Now, secondly, we're buying stuff that it was built in the 1970s. We've got a couple of projects we're working on. And, you know, one of these projects, uh, you know, rents are about around $1,000 and the going rate for uh, you know, post renovated, you know, renovated units after a $6,000 renovation, which is not a big renovation cost, um, is, you know, around $1,500, $1,550. So the fact we can get around a 50% or, you know, 55% upside in the rents is huge because we know that no matter what happens with interest rates, no matter what happens with valuations of apartments, if we can just come in and do, you know, those renovations over the next couple of years, we're going to see this huge pop in the value because different than single family, single family houses, at least in the U.S., they're all based on the, what the house across the street or down the block or what that sold for. Well, multifamily apartments and commercial real estate, it's all based on the income 
of the property. So if we can come in and increase the income, we're just seeing such an amazing upside. And so those are a few reasons I love the Jacksonville market. Let's talk about some beginner mistakes, fixed rates versus variable rates, especially in this setting. Because I was lucky 12 years ago that I had a fixed interest rate at 1.2%. That's Those wow. times are over, right? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So right now, if you if you don't have, a f how should you do it now? Because they are, they are raising rates, right, as we speak. Right. So there's different uh, types of loans for different products. Again, I'm not sure how it works in Europe. In the US, uh, one of the best products out there is the 30-year fixed uh, mortgage rate. Um, I think even now, I mean, the average now is almost 7%. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a huge single family guy right now, just because I think valuations could come down a little bit. And so, like I mentioned, I, I'm kind of waiting on that. But you know, for multifamily, we typically do. Um, you know, rates are are five to seven percent. Um, we typically have uh, you know around a three to five year fixed. Um, and then again, for us, the reason we feel more comfortable with that. Now, generally, you'd want something longer term. There are like kind of ten year fixed type of debt. Or, or more, you can get you know some that are, are much longer. Uh, the challenge is some of these longer term loans for commercial real estate, uh, they have a lot of penalties if you wanna sell or refinance early. So they can be, you can have to pay out millions of dollars, literally, and we've paid millions of dollars to refinance or sell early. So we try to kind of watch out for that, uh, for those things. But um, again, our safety, you know, more and more Buffett talks about this idea of a margin of safety, right? That whatever you invest in, there's some sort of margin there. So how we find that margin of safety, it just means if things don't go exactly the way you want, are you going to be okay, right? So how we really protect uh, from the downside there is, like I mentioned, doing those renovations. So if we can just come in, we can do you know 80% of the units. Let's say we have 225 units. We can renovate 80% of, of those over the next couple of years, which we feel pretty confident we can. We're going to see this big increase in the value so that even if rates go way up or there's some issue with all this, we feel like we're going to be just fine because we've increased the value so much of the property. So uh, again, every every product works different. Ideally, you want fixed rate forever. But the challenge is for us is that we're doing all this renovations. The longer we hold it after we've done these renovations, the return or the average uh, you know, annual return actually goes down each year. So it's almost like if you flip a house and you and you you hold it for ten years. Really, the value came from doing the flip, right, and increasing the value. So that's what we're doing on these apartments. We're not doing it over you know a few months. We're doing it over usually two to five years. But if we can do that and then we sell it, we get this huge pop in the value. So um, so for us, we just want to make sure we're able to, to to get through that plan. We're able to hold it for you know four to five years without any issues, and we're going to be in good shape. I love this. Where can people find out more about you about your projects? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I, I mentioned a few times my website. This is the uh, you know how to use inflation to your advantage, fifty-two page ebook on you know it talks about inflation, talks about some different you know alternatives such as cryptocurrency, precious metals, uh, real estate, and uh, just you know yeah, learn a little bit about, about multifamily. So uh, that's a great way to connect. And then again, we have our investor club where we have investors join us on our deals. So you do also crypto. I do a little bit of crypto. I honestly, uh, Simon, I, I was pretty anti-crypto, anti-blockchain, and I've come all the way now that I actually hosted, I, I was an MC at a conference called the Blockchain and Real Estate Summit in Austin, Texas. There were over 200 people there, and so I was the MC of that event. So, uh, you know, blockchain, of course, is the technology below crypto. And so they believe a lot of these transactions in real estate will actually eventually happen on the blockchain or they're starting to happen on the blockchain through tokenization. Um, I do own some crypto. What really got me to, to get excited about crypto was, uh, you know, when 
Canada, the Canadian truckers, they started seizing their assets. And it wasn't just the truckers. It was if if me as a citizen, a Canadian citizen, which I'm not, I'm, I'm in the US, but if I gave to a cause that I believed in, they were actually shutting down my assets, which I thought was absolutely insane, right? They're basically treating them almost as like you're funding terrorism or something. So I just thought, man, what happens if I'm on the side of something politically that not everybody agrees with? You know, I don't feel like I am right now, but let's say I'm on the side, all of a sudden they say, hey, you're, you're an enemy of the state, they're going to shut your stuff down. So I think having stuff outside of the financial system, that's why I like precious metals, because you actually can physically own them. Uh, it's not in the financial system. I also do like crypto for that reason. And, you know, real estate is, is kind of in the financial system, but not in cash flows. But um, having things, having some liquidity outside the financial system, I think is incredibly valuable. Can a government take take your house and say, oh, yeah, you own it, but uh, it's ours, like they're doing with bank bank accounts? You know, I it, it, the challenge of all this, it's interesting. If you look at macroeconomics, and that's why I encourage everybody who's interested in learning and investing, if you were only paying attention to real estate in 2008, you could have lost your shorts. And a lot of people did because they just weren't seeing the entire financial system. And even a part of the financial system is the political system. And so, you know, I would say the answer to that question is yes, there could come a point where, you know, governments could take your assets. They could take, I mean, we're seeing it. That's one example. Um, and people say the stuff that's happened in the last few years, if you've watched, I mean, just some of the controls, the restrictions, and, you know, I don't mean to get too political, but just some of the stuff with COVID, obviously we didn't know what to do, but there were different governments handled that different ways. And, you know, the stuff you said was going to happen a few years ago, the people, we would have just laughed you out of town. I mean, we thought you're absolutely crazy, but this stuff has happened. Right? Even the Canadian example that I mentioned, um, and, and there, are, there are other examples of that. So I, I think things are kind of shifting from, you know, personal freedom and, you know, do whatever you want and personal rights to general kind of more authoritative nationalism and, hey, anything that we need to do. To, I mean, it, it's, it'd be interesting to see what the next 30, 40 years look like. I don't think they'll look like what the last 30, 40 years look like from a global and political and just stability, at least in the West perspective. But that's my opinion. Absolutely. And I've been sharing on the channel the last two years for people how to get, how to become your own bank and to have self-sovereignty self over your, your net worth. So I am one third right now self-sovereign because it's in a cold wallet. And so if I have to leave the country, it comes with me. No no, no political event can take it from me. Not even a, a weather weather collapse because it's it's on a metal plate, and um, and it's on the blockchain. So it's it's really in in immutable, and nobody can take it. Um, one third, and I hope when we talk next time that it's even more than one third because we now have the chance, we have the technology, we have the knowledge. So mm -hmm. thank you for also for sharing that part bronzon hill everybody thank you for being on the show thank you for helping us having more options in creating wealth preserving wealth and keep rolling everybody hey if you love what you are hearing you will love our free master classes go grab them at strategiesprints.com what if your business would run well even when you are on vacation Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprints method. Order your copy of Strategy Sprints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business 
on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com.